What's up, Ken folk? Welcome to the number one ranked show. I am your host, RJ Young. Thank you for watching on the Fox Sports app, YouTube, or listening wherever you get your podcast. I am excited today because we are doing week two of our USFL podcast here on the number one ranked show. And today we're going to talk with Philadelphia Stars quarterback Brian Scott about why he decided to take a chance on himself and the USFL what he hopes to gain from playing quarterback in the USFL, a bit about the offense that he plays in and how he thinks that his coach, Bart Andrus, is a great analogous to one Phil Jackson and talk a little bit about Triangle and the Lakers. I'm very excited about this uh, interview. Well, for you to hear what he has to say. And he's one of my favorite players in this league. He's one of the first guys that I met in this league. You'll know I've been covering this league since its inception. I'm becoming much more of an expert of the league than I thought I was capable of being, and I'm having such a ball. And then on the back end of that, we're going to talk through my week two power rankings as I was in Birmingham for consecutive weeks now to watch all four games. I have takes on takes on takes, and we have a clear leader in the clubhouse, but we still have three playoff spots that are up for grabs before we finish this thing off. July 3rd in Canton, Ohio at Tom Benson Pro Football Hall of Fame Stadium. But first, let's talk to Brian. I'm pleased to be joined by Philadelphia Stars starting quarterback Brian Scott. Brian, how you doing? I'm doing good, RJ. How are you doing? I'm good, brother. I, I want to start with this. Why did you want to play in the United States Football League? Um, it, just, it just felt perfect for me. It felt like the opportunity was perfect. Um, you know, to be honest with you, I heard about it right when the announcement happened. And as soon as the announcement happened around a year ago, um, I was not interested in playing, you know, going to any NFL training camps or being a camp body, anything like that. I just been um, just extremely excited to play in the USFL since then and just been preparing training and just hopefully, you know, looking forward to the opportunity. And here we are and um, just been trying to really enjoy the moment and uh, worked really hard to get here. So. Um, just extremely excited to be in it right now. One of the things that was really cool for me to experience is the <clears throat> inaugural 2022 USFL draft, which took place on February 22nd, 2022. Love that line of twos there. And then seeing how each one of the quarterbacks, yourself included, reacted yeah. to being drafted. You went number three overall to the stars. And I believe that is the highest that any division three player has ever been selected in any professional football draft. We discussed this just a little bit. What, what does it mean to you that coach Andrus wanted to make you his first pick? Um, you know, it meant a lot. I think it meant a lot for a lot of reasons. Like you said, um, being a division three football player, um, you know, just being able to represent all those athletes in division three, I think that, if I'm able to do that to prove that we can play and play at the highest level in professional sports, I mean, if I can give any of those, um, you know, athletes hope, that's what I want to do. So, um, you know, just being selected in the first round and then being selected by Coach Bart, who's a guy that him and I have worked together in the past. So the fact that he wanted to work with me again and um, for us to be on the same team again is definitely another um, blessing just because he knows what I'm capable of and, and it's also just a compliment um to me and, and I really appreciate coach Bart taking me with you know he could have went with a lot of different directions but he entrusted in me and and I think uh, it's gone well so far so um you know just just to be a part of the USFL and then to have coach Bart believe in me and um 
you know, be a first round pick. I know I wasn't a first round pick in the NFL, but to be a first round pick in the USFL, um, sitting at that table, like we spoke about before, um, it was an extreme honor. So it, it felt like, you know, it felt like the NFL, it felt like, um, it felt extremely special. And, you know, a couple of weeks after that, my family and I got to enjoy that. So that was something that was, um, extremely special for me. You mentioned you didn't want to be a camp body. And for those that don't know, it means the kind of person that you bring into training camp to basically help fill out the rest of your roster to give better looks to other players. And I can right. understand that. I think many folks can understand that. Yeah. But you also want to play in the USFL so you could put something on tape, perhaps to get a real shot to play in the league. I'm going to ask you, what else do you think you need to show that league before you get a shot? It's a great question. Um, you know, I've been a part of these spring leagues before. And um, had, I've had success. Um, and this is just another opportunity for me to do that, to prove that I can play. And, and I understand, you know, coming from Division Three, right, it's, it doesn't happen a lot. You know, you don't get drafted in the first round of professional leagues. You aren't looked at as someone who can compete for a starting job or, or be a real asset to an NFL football team. And I understand that. So, no, I wasn't interested in going to training camp and, hey, throw routes on air for our guys. And, um, hey, you know, just we're just going to – you know, check you out and then wish you on your way. I wasn't interested in that. Um, I believe in myself as a player and I believe in, in myself and what I can do and what I bring to a team on and off the field. So knowing that the USFL was coming and knowing that you guys have just been unbelievable as far as just showcasing what we can do and giving us the platform to do so, um, that's something that, you know, I, could, I couldn't turn down. And, and um, you know, just it's, it's been going great. And, um, you know, I got eight more games left, hopefully 10. Um, so I plan on continuing to show that. One of the things that I have stressed to many folks is that you're not just playing on television. You're playing on broadcast television. You're, you're playing on <laughs> yeah. what I call big Fox, right? That's the one that my grandparents would watch and that my parents watch. And they right. have been very enthusiastic about the league and getting to know the players has been some of the fun parts for my mother is an extremely big fan of mine as I would hope most people's mamas are. But yeah. we were talking about you and Coach Andrus and how until last week you guys had been undefeated as a tandem. And then this week you come back, you get a 30 to 23 win against the Pittsburgh Maulers. What do you think happened from week one to week two to help you guys get a W in that win column? Gosh, I feel like in I hate, you know, week one was I feel like we just beat ourselves. You know, we we had the game. Obviously, credit to New Orleans. They're they're a great football team. We saw what they did last week to Tampa, um, but we we just felt like we didn't execute the way that we we could have. And um, but from week one to week two, really, it was just just how how we respond. You know, Coach Bart talks about it all the time. He wants players that don't react; they respond. And um, I think our whole entire football team did that. With just no one was pointing any fingers at anybody. We just came out, worked, got better, and I think that we showed that. I still think there's a lot of things we can clean up as an offensive unit, but, um, you know, the way that we were able to execute in key situations last week versus the Maulers was why we won the game. Um, so, uh, you know, I'm just – I'm looking forward to seeing, um, you know, how we continue to grow as a unit and as a team and in all phases, offense, defense, special teams. But, um, you know, Bart's a great coach. He never gets too high, never gets too low. He's Phil Jackson, and this is this is a long, long road, long season. So. Um, I just want us to continue to get better and, um, you know, keep being a good football team. I love the comp of Coach Andrews being to Phil Jackson because Phil Jackson 
ran an offense that was called the triangle and it was mostly based on concepts, right? And I say it was based on concepts because coach Andrus also is employing a system and an offense that is based on concepts and you and really coach Bart were very kind on Saturday night to explain to us in the media that what you're asking for is a rapport between quarterback and wide receiver. And that takes some time to develop game speed being different from practice speed. Could you explain once again, what the difference is between say a play calling offense and a play calling concept offense? Yeah. I mean, well, first of all, you know, you don't need to explain the Phil Jackson triangle offense. I'm a Los Angeles born and raised. Kobe Bryant is my hero. So, I mean, I just had to throw that out there. Uh, I love Phil Jackson, love Kobe Bryant, but um, yeah, like, like we talked about after the game, RJ, our offense is, it's not just me reading the defense, right? It's the receivers reading the defense. So, you know, part, part of our game is just everyone being on the same page and entrusting each other. And although Bart and I have worked together in the past, um, me, other than one other receiver, I haven't worked with any of these guys. So me just being able to trust them and, you know, being able to see that they're going to get their head around or they're reading the same things that I am is extremely important. And, um, you know, that's the great thing about Bart's offense is that, um, you know, when we get on that same page, we get that chemistry and we all start to feel like a unit and we all start to see the same picture, if you want to say, um, then that's when big things happen. And I think you saw that this week in flashes where, you know, we saw cover zero, we saw blitz, we saw them drop eight and empty. So we were ready for everything. And I think that's going to continue to get better throughout the season. So I think that's why Coach Bart's offense is so great because it gives me an answer for everything and it gives our offense an answer for everything where some offenses might be, hey, you're going to have one to two or you're sacked. And um, with Coach Bart, it's really just, hey, you have all the answers to the test. What are you going to do with it? One of the things that I really enjoy about watching the stars and you operate in that offense, it's it's (coughs) one team in the league that I knew, knew what its offensive philosophy and identity was going to be. But you also had a couple of curveballs in that you added Maurice Alexander a bit late. Yeah. Coach Bart tells a story about holding up the draft so that they could get just a few looks at Mo. Really Mo is Alexander. a crazy story. Yeah. And coming out of Florida International, a former quarterback. Yeah. Got to help you when you're trying to get to know someone and see how they see the field to know that they're another quarterback that you don't have to worry about whether or not this guy sees cover two, cover three, cover zero, cover six. You know that he's going to be on your page. How did that help you in the win against the Maulers? I mean, first, just props to Maurice. I mean, I mean, we call him hard time. He, that's his nickname. But, uh, you know, we had a couple guys get injured. I mean, Devin Gray was injured and Chris Rollins was injured. And, and he was the next guy up. And he came in and obviously played amazing. And he was a guy that him and I were working before and after practice this week. They said, hey, you know, if you're up this week, we need to get chemistry on certain option routes. We need to get chemistry on one high, two high looks. And, you know, he's just a guy that he's just a baller. He's a winner. And um, in his background, he's a, he's a state champion. He's an ex-quarterback, like you said. So anybody that's got that DNA, that has that look in their eye, which he does, he has that I'm not afraid look. And if you play enough football, you know, I've played enough football to look into somebody's eyes and I can tell hey, this guy's not afraid of the moment. He's going to step up, make the play. And then from the first snap, really, the guy was just, I mean, he saved me on, we had a um, we had a cover one, cover two read. He snapped it in on a post and, you know, stuck his long arms out there and made an insane catch. So, 
you know, props to him. He's just, he stepped up and he balled the hell out. And our team was extremely excited for him. It's a lot of fun to watch you operate. It's a lot of fun to watch Maul Alexander do what he was doing, but also yeah. I'm looking at that offense and I'm, I'm giddy. You go for 272 yards and three TDs with a pick in this game. We'll talk about that a little bit later, but pro Wells, bug Howard, Brennan Eagles, Maurice Alexander, it feels like you got trees out there, which also help you with this offense. What have you learned about each one of these guys, some of whom you played with, uh, like Mr. Sewell, for instance, that helps you better understand where to put the ball for them because you're sending a message every time you throw the ball about where coverage is and where you think that this ball should be going and where they should be running. How do you get that rapport with the rest of them? Um, luckily we had a little bit longer in camp that I've had in the spring league. I mean, in spring league, we had six, seven days where you, then you just got to roll out there and spin it. And, um, you know, we had a little bit longer of a camp. So, you know, with hard time or Maurice, I'm sorry, you know, he was just out there making plays at camp. I mean, I, and it wasn't me throwing it to him. So I was kind of watching like, damn, who's 13, man. He is, he's going. And then, you know, of course with Jordan, I thought Jordan last game, after the first game, I was like, you know what? We can't have Jordan Sewell with one catch for two yards. Can't happen. I mean, he's just too good of a player. So from from the first snap, I'm looking at I was looking at Jordan and then guys like DeAndre Overton and Bug Howard, like you said. I mean, those guys are easy targets for me to hit. And um, they're all they all bring something different to the game, which is exciting for me and a challenge for me to, you know, see what they do well and what routes they like to run. And then, you know, how can, how can I get them the ball? And cause I know I need to get them the ball because that's how our offense moves. And um, all those guys have a great skill set. So I, I feel extremely blessed and coach Bart did a great job and coach Marcel, our receivers coach did a great job of just bringing those guys in and, and they learned the system well. So, you know, I'm excited to see how our report keeps growing. The triangle offense keeps going and, um, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how we do uh, down the road. So I mentioned the final score is 30 to 23, but it could have just as easily been 27 <laughs> to 23. Coach Bart called for a three point conversion. Tell us what the play call was and how does it feel to have converted the first three point attempt, let alone three point conversion in pro football history? <laughs> You know, I was so hyped up after we scored the touchdown. I wasn't even thinking about it. You know, I was like, hell yeah, we, we needed that score. So we went down and scored and, and coach, you know, gave me the, hey, we're going to three, going to three. It's like, all right, let's go for three. Screw it. And um, coach, you know, props to coach. He, he dialed up something good for the blitz. And um, I got it out to our back, Paul Terry. He was he was hot in the read. And, um, you know, he made one guy miss with a great stiff arm, got in there. And I think coach Bart, you know, coach Bart doesn't show a lot of emotion, right? But after that play, he kind of ran out to me and gave me a big high five. I'm like, damn, you know, was that, you know, that was an important play, but coach, you're pretty excited there, man. I mean, it's kind of like, we, <laughs> and he's like, that was history. You know, I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. It was a three point conversion. So, um, you know, he, I could tell he was pretty excited about that. And, and it ended up being an outstanding call RJ, just because we were up four at the time and, you know, a team, there's a difference in mindset for a team when they go, okay, if we drive down and score, we win the game, or we're going to drive just to try and tie the game, right? That's a different type of mindset for the other team. So when we went up by seven, knowing that they got a score touchdown and hit the extra point, which hasn't been easy in this league so far. Um, I think that that was a great call by coach. So 
um, you know, Paul made a great, uh, made a great play, making somebody miss and, you know, ended up being a big play in the football game. Right on, man. No, like I was excited to see it and I was glad that it worked. Uh, I think it was coach Bart that Me gave too. Brock Heward a sideline guy for the game, uh, a great quote, which is, can I sign that? And cause I think they're going to send that to the pro football hall of fame. And that's the only way I'm getting in. And I was saying, I was going, okay, that's one way to go about it. I thought it was a great yeah, story. He was stoked. <laughs> well, and he should be right. Because yeah. That's one of the things that is really cool about this league on the broadcast. You can hear the play call. You can hear him sending it in. Case Cookies was doing a great job of explaining what you were doing, what you saw and what you were looking for on some of those plays. I really enjoyed the insight into all of this. But again, you played very well, 272 yards, 36 attempts, the identical number of attempts you had in the first game. You're the only quarterback to throw for more than 200 yards in both of his outings. Has it been easy to throw the football in this league? But you're also up for Offensive Player of the Week. And I don't know if you know this, but they are going to give you, if you win Offensive Player of the Week or Defensive Player of the Week, a set of Air Force Ones that are red, white, and blue. Have your number and your name stitched on them. What do you think about that? Is that cool? Yeah, I mean, the fact that I'm nominated for Offensive Player of the Week is something that, you know, is an extreme honor. Um, but I couldn't do it without the other 10 guys and then the defense. And so, you know, it's individual award, but really it's a team award anytime, you know, you're nominated for something like that. And the Air Force Ones thing, I didn't know about that, but that sounds pretty cool. I mean, anytime you get some new shoes, uh, is nice. So, um, you know, whoever, I thought there's a lot of guys that, you know, did well this week, but I'm definitely honored to be a part of that nomination. And like I said, just credit to my teammates for going out there and making a lot of plays for me this week, man. I'm a shoe hound. Like I got the miles <laughs> in there. They, the retro ones with the blue bottoms. And I got to tell you, I saw these and I was stoked. I was like, wait a second, you giving those away? Like, yeah, we thought they would be something like, you know, a trophy or something You're like, yeah, the shoes, they are a trophy. If you want to put them up, put them up. You want to put them on your feet, put them on your feet. I'm going, you know, I'd be wearing these. You, I got custom <laughs> shoes. I got, I'm, I'm shoes are for wearing dog. All right. right. So we're heading into week three. Yeah. You guys are tied for first place in the North division. You're going to play the New Jersey generals for Northern. Let's call this North man supremacy. That is a pun on a movie that nobody saw, but me apparently, but what would it mean for you to be able to move to the top of the division with a win against the New Jersey Generals? Um, you know, just one week at a time. I think, uh, yeah, obviously it's going to be a good game this weekend. And, you know, excited for the challenge. New Jersey is a great football team. I think, you know, we it all starts tomorrow when we go to practice and the mindset that we all have. And I'm just continuing to get better each and every day. And I think if, if we continue to do that, um, things will take care of itself. But obviously, like I said, I think New Jersey is a great team and we look forward to playing them. I think they do some things defensively that are pretty good and they do some things offensively with, you know, their quarterback. One of the quarterbacks a runner, one of them's a thrower. So Coach Riley's doing a good job of kind of switching that off a little bit. And, you know, it's just been really fun, RJ, to see um, not only teams in our division, but teams in other divisions, how they're operating, what kind of offenses they run. And, um, you know, it's, it's cool. I think, I think this league is, is, it's going to be extremely special this year. And then just moving forward because it's giving guys like me an opportunity. It's giving coaches an opportunity. And I think it's giving football fans everywhere insight to there's more than one way to do this thing. 
right? And um, whether it's offense, defense, special teams, and anytime you can grow the great game of football, I think the USFL is doing that and they're doing that the right way. So um, just to be a part of this league is something that is extremely special to me. And then to be a part of such a great team that we have right now and just the family that we're building um, with, you know, only 45 guys. I mean, you know, it, it's going to be fun going, you know, down the stretch here. Right on, oh, man. All right. So this one's for me. Mm-hmm. You wore that hat in your photo <laughs> when you were selected number three overall. And I feel like every other day I see you, you got that hat on. Is there a story with the hat? No, it's just, it's, it's not the same hat. It's just, I, Hey, so I only wear black. So, I mean, my friends call me Bruce Wayne. It's just one of those things where I just, I only wear black. I mean, you'll see me, you're never going to catch me in white unless we're away jerseys. And damn sure you're only going to catch me in red and yellow when it's stars uniform. uniform. So, <laughs> you know, it just happens to be a black hat. But, you know, anytime you see me, I don't know if you've noticed yet, but you will be like, hey, how come you always wear black? And it's just, it's. You know, since high school, whatever, I've always just worn all black. It's my thing. So, hey, man, I can get on board with Bruce Wayne and Batman. I can get on board with a superhero. I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's Batman, man. It's just the Bruce Wayne, Johnny Cash thing. I just, my friends kind of gave me that nickname. See, now you on to something, right? <laughs> Johnny Cash, you're speaking my language. I'm from Tulsa, Oklahoma. All right. I'm down with the man in black and Walk I'm down with you. I'm down with you, Brian Scott. Like, this has been a lot of fun. I sincerely appreciate you taking the time and good luck this weekend against the New Jersey Generals. I appreciate you, RJ. Um, You know, thanks for your support, man. And thank you to Fox, man. You guys have been uh, unbelievable for all of us players. So just behalf on the stars and and the entire USFL, you know, we can't thank you enough just for the opportunity and just all the things that you guys are doing for us. Thank you very much. Right on, bro. My thanks to Brian Scott for joining us for what I think was really an outstanding interview. I mean, one of our two best interviews so far in this USFL season. And again, one of my favorite guys in this league. I'm glad that he's getting this exposure, not just playing football, but that you get to know him a little bit better because some of the guys in this league have some very, very cool stories. And he is one of them. And he's playing on Philadelphia Stars team. That's pretty doggone good. And in a position to finish off in the playoffs, they keep this up, which leads me to my week two power rankings. All right. So week two, it was fun, but we also have to do the math here. Number one off the rip. We got to go with the New Orleans Breakers being what I think is the best team in the United States Football League. They are two and oh, and they are one and oh in the South Division. And right now, the South Division seems to be the stronger of the two divisions. Larry Fedora's squad put together what I thought was the most complete football game by any team in the USFL so far with their demolition, 34-3, of Tampa Bay. I mean, they put Tampa Bay on the back foot from the jump. Their scoring drive to open the game was 13 plays, 79 yards. Kyle Sloter looked like the kind of guy that was playing in the NFL just last year and looks like the kind of guy that Larry Fedora drafted. It's going well for Noel Mazzone. It didn't look like it was going to go well after their opening week in which Slaughter looked iffy against the Stars and their defense and then comes back with a tremendously great week this week. Matter of fact, put together the second best passing performance by any quarterback in this league with 266 yards. And they have some absolute diamonds at wide receiver. Ohio State 
Wide receiver Johnny Dixon scored a touchdown, threw one up for Dwayne Haskins. We all love that, very much enjoyed that. Jay Adams coming out of Arkansas State, that dude was a monster. And then we had Davon Taylor, who was also just an absolute stud out there coming out of Western Kentucky. You got three wide receivers that can absolutely run after the catch. And then you got TJ Logan, who by now you know, ran 437 in the 2017 NFL Combine and was the fastest tailback at the NFL Combine. You got dudes, right? And it's coming together in the way that I thought it might for a guy like Larry Fedora, who hit the ground running. They were installing their offense and defense over Zoom so that when they got into Birmingham for training camp, there was no more installing to do. There was just practicing, and they have been playing like they are way ahead. Again, 2-0, 1-0, and they're going to have an opportunity, I think, to make it to the playoffs, if not to the championship game with two games in hand. Number two on my power rankings is the Birmingham Stallions, who you'll know I was down on last week because I didn't like the way that they looked against the New Jersey Generals in the first game of the inaugural USFL season. But they come back and win again, 33-28 to against Kevin Sumlin's Houston Gamblers. They have an identity at quarterback, and that's kind of a theme for me, right? Who is your starter? We still are looking for that in a couple of these teams, but I said last week that I expect the quarterback play to take a jump forward, and it has, and it did. Jamar Smith has assumed the starting quarterback role after his outstanding opening week coming off the bench as an emergency quarterback. It started slowly for him. Skip Holtz did the smart thing, took the ball out of his quarterback's hands to start the second half, hand the ball off to C.J. Marable, and they decided to pound the rock against the gamblers and really were able to put together not just a great drive to open the third quarter, but open up the back end of the gamblers defense with guys like Marlon Williams streaking downfield 65 yard touchdown pass from J. Mar Smith. I think what's cool about the Birmingham Stallions is they got so much more room to improve and they're still two and zero and one and zero in the South division between them and the breakers. We're going to have a lot of fun here, right? Because somebody's O has got to go, but that South division already showed that it is mighty going four and O to start the USFL season. And before we started with these divisional matchups, I'm excited to see what that defense continues to look like with John Chavis calling plays for them. Scooby Wright is a dude. Demarcus Gates is a dude. Shalom Lawani had to leave the game with an injury. Oh, excuse me. That's New Jersey Generals. That's not the Birmingham Stallions. I think perhaps I'm thinking about what the secondary might be with John Chavis being able to attack more with that linebacking core that includes Scooby Wright and Demarcus Gates. But we'll see, right? We'll see. I also think that perhaps J.M.R. Smith is going to settle in at quarterback in a different way, and he might have to when they play the Breakers, right? Because the Breakers aren't actually going to let you get started. They're going to try to start fast. They're going to try to build a lead, and they're going to try to make you work from behind. If you start slowly the way that the Stallions have started the last two games, you're probably going to be in a hole, and then we will have an even bigger lead for the New Orleans Breakers when it comes to Week three's power rankings. All right, number three on this list. I have the Philadelphia Stars. Just talk with Brian Scott, right? So the thing about the Stars that I've always enjoyed is that they know who they are offensively and defensively. Bart Andrus went and drafted the guy that knows his system, knows him, and will help him lead his team to what he hopes is championships. Matter of fact, before the season started, they were my dark horse to win the whole doggone thing because it's a bunch of coaches that have coached in alternative leagues, spring leagues, Canadian Football League, NFL Europe, World Football League, and the like. 
They know what to do with a smaller roster. They know how to take care of themselves and they're staying healthy. Scott is figuring it out and figuring it out quickly. I think that they could be pretty good and they're tied for first place in the North division. We'll see if they can keep it up, especially knowing that the defense looks a little shaky at times, but guys like Channing Stripling are able to bail them out with a timely interception here and there. Jordan Moore is playing his tail off linebacker for them. And they're getting guys like Maurice Alexander to step up at wide receiver when they've already guys got guys like Bug Howard, former North Carolina tight end, Pro Wells, Texas Christian tight end, Brendan Eagles, Texas wide receiver, doing great things for them. With a quarterback that came out of Occidental and was, until now, the best-kept secret, I think, in pro football. Working on a big story for FoxSports.com that I can't wait to share with you about Brian Scott and get really deep into his story and what makes him unique and a perfect fit for the USFL. Next on this list, I got the Tampa Bay Bandits, okay? I had them near the top to start these power rankings last week, but after the way that they played against the Breakers, I got to dock them, man. You didn't score a TD. You scored three points, and at one point, you had one yard, and negative two yards, negative three yards rushing, negative two yards total offense. That can't happen, all right? Bob Saunders is going to have to get this figured out with Jordan Tamu, who has yet to throw for 200 yards at all in any game this season, had 62, was 8 of 18 against the Breakers with John Tenuta's defense, excuse me, just T-fying off on them. At one point, they had John Franklin III back there running Wildcat stuff because they were just trying to get a spark from somewhere. You're not going to be able to survive very much longer if you don't score TDs in this league, specifically in the South Division, where we've already established that it is pretty doggone loaded. But they'll have a chance. They still have a chance. It's a good football team. Pepper Johnson was able to put out a defense the week before last that looked like a world beater. They get back to that, they're going to be okay. Number four, or number five on this list, excuse me, is the New Jersey Generals. One and one, I thought they should have beaten the Birmingham Stallions in their season opener. They actually were able to finish the game against the Michigan Panthers with their 10-6 victory on Friday night. It's a bit ugly, but ugly is what it's going to be when you are the number one rushing offense in this league. As a matter of fact, the Generals average 168 yards rushing on the ground and 165.5 yards passing, right, with two quarterbacks. It's very interesting in that Mike Riley told me, hey, this is the first time in my career that I've ever employed a two-quarterback system on purpose. And he basically did it out of necessity because when they got Luis Perez in just about 10 days before the season began, he wanted to get him involved in the offense with DeAndre Johnson having already taken most of the snaps, Ben Holmes needing to go home. They found that DeAndre Johnson was a better runner and Luis Perez was a better passer, but they didn't see any real difference in production from both of them. And they want to have the best of both worlds. So they have had this system working where sometimes you'll see Perez come in right after Johnson. And then Johnson will come in right after Perez and they'll switch them out as they need all while they're getting outstanding running back play out of guys like Vito Victor and Trey Williams. Uh, Mike Weber was released last week, but he's still in the USFL. Basically what happened was, Mike Riley told me, you saw what happened when we lost two of our tight ends against the Stallions. We had to be a different football team. We were out there in three wide and one formation, and we can't have that anymore. So we made a roster decision to have three tight ends on the roster as opposed to three tailbacks on the roster, and Weber was the odd man out as he didn't play against the Stallions. 
So I expect Mike Weber will be picked up this week and play for somebody. It might even be the generals, but I wanted to get out in front of that and let you guys know that everybody believes that Mike Weber is an outstanding player in this league and still has an opportunity to do some great things in this league. Next on this list, the Houston Gamblers, one and one, but 0-1 oh in the South Division. Again, they took a loss to the Birmingham Stallions, who, by the way, are low-key getting the benefit of the hometown crowd in a way that it actually matters. Again, I've been to all eight of the USFL's games, and I got to tell you, the city of Birmingham is showing up for the Stallions, and they expect to win. It's one of the coolest parts of this league is just seeing who adapts who and whether or not it's going to matter that they are all playing at Protective Stadium to start. Later in the season, they'll have a couple games at Legion Field, but they're all going on in Birmingham. And it seems the city of Birmingham is showing up for their team. And that's going to matter. As a matter of fact, there was one coach that went up to Skip Holtz and said, hey, I can't wait to play against y'all because I want to play against your crowd, right? The Houston Gamblers saw what that meant. It also means that if your offense isn't going well, that crowd is going to pounce just like that defense pounced on them. Clayton Thorson had moments where he looked like the star quarterback that he was at Northwestern, but they have been too far and too few in between. As a matter of fact, he's thrown more interceptions than he has touchdown passes in this season so far. He got the hook for Kenji Bahar a bit earlier in the game, came back, looked like he was in a position to lead the Gamblers to a comeback win. That was ended, you know, with an interception thrown. It's tip ball, pick it off. It happens. Can't really put that on him. But they also were getting great defense from guys like Will Likely. As in, Will Likely return this interception for a touchdown. As in, Will Likely win defensive player of the week? Question mark? I'm, I'm having all the jokes about Will Likely and these puns because, yes, I, I actually am a stepdad. And, yes, they will get all of these puns from me, too. So I'm here with these dad jokes. But I also thought it was cool that Kevin Sumlin was really effusive in his praise for his defense and what guys like Tim Lewis have been able to do for him, what guys like Will Likely have been able to do for him. Tim Lewis being defensive coordinator, Will Likely being a cornerback. Reggie Northrup is playing his butt off. Donald Payne has 33 total tackles, which leads the league. It is outstanding. He's just the kind of guy that you expect to have a really great year. It needs to have a great year, but the defense has been carrying the offense, and that's not something we're usually saying about a Kevin Sumlin-led team, which means that if they get it figured out offensively, they're going to be pretty doggone good. As a matter of fact, running back Mark Thompson is quietly having a really great season. They just haven't featured him as often as I would like to see him featured, but they're still trying to figure out what their quarterback situation is, and hopefully Clayton is able to find out what, ails him so they can get back into winning because again that offense gets to be anything like decent watch out now they're going to be pretty good number seven on this list the first of the winless teams in the usfl the pittsburgh maulers now kirby wilson's maulers i think had the most improvement of any team in the usfl from week one to week two week one it didn't look like the offense had anything like a rhythm it looked like the identity that they wanted to establish was being thwarted because they wanted to be a run-heavy team, and that just wasn't working out. They come back in the next week, Kirby Wilson, way ahead calling plays. They've settled on a quarterback in Josh Love. Again, having a quarterback that you know is going to be your guy has seemed to settle down everybody across this league. 
Bailey Gaither is showing up to have seven catches, 119 receiving yards in their loss, but still pretty doggone good game against the Philadelphia Stars. And that San Jose State connection of Josh Love 2-1 Bailey Gaither is also paying dividends. They got an outstanding play from Jalen McClain Sapp, who had a forced fumble and an interception in that game before having to leave it due to injury. He just couldn't go, but he's an absolute player for them. Jaron Hall or Jaron Hall, Jaron Horton has been doing an outstanding job calling defense for the Maulers. Uh, a young guy who is getting his shot 30 years old to be a defensive coordinator. That's one of my favorite stories in this league. And they are playing for him. Like that has been an opportunistic defense. They've been taking advantage of the mistakes that the offense has made. I think given just a little bit more time, they're going to have an opportunity. And you know what? They got a great one, right? Because they're coming up against the team I have number eight in the power rankings. That be the Michigan Panthers, the second and the last of the two winless teams in the USFL so far. I'm actually low-key kind of excited for this because these are two teams that are battling, okay? The Michigan Panthers decided to go with Shea Patterson from start to finish, even after Jeff Fisher said he was going to play Paxton Lynch against the New Jersey Generals. That didn't happen. But one of the reasons it didn't happen is you're still trying to let Shea win the job. He is the number one overall pick in the league for a reason. And he's got on the bench the only former first-round NFL draft pick in the USFL. So you want to give him as much room to try to make an impression as you can. But it just wasn't working for him, man. And it wasn't working until the final drive of the game. It's fourth and 20. I'm watching Shea Patterson scramble around, nearly take a safety in the end zone, and find Cam Scarlett down the field next to the sideline with the clock running down. He gets them in a position to win the game late. They're on the 26-yard line, and they just come up a little short for the second time in as many weeks in a game that was 10-6, to which means, again, the Panthers figure it out at quarterback, figure it out offensively they're going to be okay because defensively they're pretty doggone good. They got a former Navy shipment, midshipman excuse me, and captain in Sean Williams at safety. Orion Stewart had the only interception of the day for the Panthers at safety. They lost two players to season engine injury in as many weeks, and the only team up until then to do so, one being Warren Saba, who broke his forearm in week one, and then Joey Magnifico had a really terrible season-ending injury that basically means they're going to have to go back to the drawing board on who their tight ends are going to be and what they're going to look like. But that said, Marcus Baugh could be a guy for them, right? LaMichael Petway could be a guy for them. There are tools in place for the Panthers to absolutely be good and get back to winning. And there's still enough room in the league for them to fight for one of those two playoff spots in the North Division. And again, it's one of the it's the weaker of the two divisions so far. But you got to get a win against the Pittsburgh Maulers to make me feel a little bit better. There are only eight teams in the league, so we got to go through one through eight. But I got to tell you, there's great things that I've seen from all of these teams been fired up to watch them play football, been fired up about spring football, and I can't wait to see what we get from week three. All right, a little bit later this week, we'll have another podcast for you, and then we're going to go to a schedule that is Tuesdays and Thursdays, basically all the way up until media day. So you're going to get even more content from the number one ranked show than you have gotten, and I think, since I started doing the show a year ago. Like, we have been on a tear. And I've been so excited about the guys we've been able to talk to. Isaiah Thomas, right? N'Kobe Dean, Alec Pierce, 
I keep going here. We're having a great time. We're going to talk more college football in May. I understand some of y'all are joining for that. And I got takes on takes on takes for that too. But I'm grateful that you stuck with us. I'm grateful that you are eating up this content at the rate that we are putting it out. And I'm having a ball. All right. That is going to do it for me. Deuces.